When most people have that life interruption or setback, they don't know how to get out of it. I was tired of being tired, tired of being regular, tired of being this. And so I made a choice. I'm going to do three things. Here we go. Number one, we learn from education. Number two, we learn from conversation. Number three, we learn from observation. So I begin to educate myself. I begin to have better conversations and I begin to watch people around me that got the shout back and started following what they did. The Icon is a show about learning from iconic people in iconic locations. Those who have found a way to transform their industry, not just for a moment, but for decades. Today we're in Tallinn, Estonia. My name's Tyler Way. We're with Tim Story, who's an acclaimed speaker, author, life coach, spoken in 75 countries, reached millions of people around the world. Some of those people you know well. P. Diddy, Robert Downey Jr., Kanye, Oprah, just to name a few. And Tim helps us rethink, how do we go from a setback to building back momentum, to finding our shout? Tim's story, welcome to the Icons by Motiversity. Good to see you. What a beautiful location, (laughs) thank you. It's absolutely beautiful here, isn't it? I mean, this old town is really something else. Yes. Now, I heard a story you were mentioning a little while ago. You were in Oprah's backyard casually one day and you were talking about a concept that you've talked about before, working your ground, and she was yes. getting excited by this. Can you tell us a bit about that story? Yeah, first of all, it's nice to be in Oprah's backyard a lot. <laughs> but we like to share concepts with each other, Oprah and I, and she loves this idea about the law of the harvest. You know, a lot of people, they just think about manifesting something, but in the law of the harvest, I teach you gotta plow the ground, you gotta plant the right seed, Then you gotta water the seed, which is repetition, and then you'll reap the harvest. And I feel that some people, they get really frustrated in the plowing, the planting, and the watering, but they don't realize that payday's on its way. So she loves that story. I mean, she must have planted the right seeds. She really did. But if you go back into her uh, life, even when she was working in the early days for different small towns and working in the news, she was doing a lot of plowing, Mm. a lot of planting, mm-hmm. a lot of watering. And then later on, the King brothers came and uh, helped her get her own show. And then the rest was history. So I know a little bit about your background, but for those who don't, you grew up in Compton. Yeah. You know, a couple decades later, you're in Oprah's backyard. Can you help us connect the dots between <laughs> that? I mean, that's quite the, the transformation. I, I would really say that I have been fortunate to have amazing people around me because um, there's a lot of people that are as talented, more talented than me. But um, my, my teachers saw my spark. I can think back to my third grade teacher, fourth, fifth grade teacher, but it was my sixth grade teacher, Mr. Probert, who asked me to stay after class one day. And he says, Timmy, I, I want you to stay after class because I wanted you to know that I think you're brilliant. And because you're brilliant, I want to just challenge you to start reading some biographies and autobiographies about people's lives that did amazing things. and. So what an amazing thing to be branded brilliant by your sixth grade teacher. And I just, I took that tag, I took that label. And even though I didn't feel brilliant at the time, I, I listened to what my teacher said. And, and if I remember back, that was actually at a pretty tough moment in your life, yeah. was it not? What was happening in your life at that time? What was happening is that, you know, growing up in a lower income family of um, seven people in a, in a two bedroom apartment, you know, everything is like a fight for space. Seven people, two rooms. Two rooms. So one bathroom, 
So everything is a fight for space. And then what takes place is that uh, my father goes to get my mother food. She went, uh, he wanted to go to this restaurant and he ordered the food, take away. He goes through a green light and uh, bless this guy's heart, wasn't paying attention, runs a red light, hits my father, and my father dies. Now that's, that's very difficult for any family, but my father was the energy of the family. He was the financial backer of the family. My mother didn't even know how to drive. And so now he is like taken out. And I, I'll never forget, the family went from like a feeling of warmth to just a feeling of like silence and pain. And so my sixth grade teacher was very aware that my father had died. And I think that's one reason he held me after class because that was about a month later. No kidding. Would you consider that? I know you work a lot with a lot of people who have experienced setbacks and how yeah. to reframe that, get, get out of that situation, find momentum again. Would you consider that an, an early life setback or would you consider that something else? I would consider that a, a early life setback. So what I teach is that we all have um, what I call life interruptions. An interruption is, is a disturbance. You've had them, I've had them. It could be uh, when somebody's young and they get ill or their parents get divorced or in this case, my father passed. So it's a life interruption. And then when most people have that life interruption or setback, they don't know how to get out of it. And so that's one thing that I think created a calling in me that I wanted to help more people that had life interruptions find a way up and out. But you don't just do that on a counseling level, you know, local level. You're now called by some of the people that we watch daily, you know, yeah. or, or see daily. And oftentimes in a highly pressurized situation, how did you start to become, how did you start to have conversations that were life-changing for those people? Yeah, I think that um, for me, it was about getting educated and having great conversations with people about, about life. I just began to grow. So I, I continued to go on in my education. I ended up getting a, a doctorate in world religion. But while I was studying that subject, uh, I started studying a lot of classes on counseling, crisis counseling. And then at an early age, early 20s, I started working with what's known as the NFL, because we have people watching from all over the world, sure. National Football League. And um, a lot of the stars of the NFL started asking me in that day for my home number. We didn't have cell phones. And I started life coaching them before anybody knew what life coaching was. This is, this is like in the late 80s. No kidding. Late 80s. So what are the, some of the names back then that you would have been connected to? I, I, I bet you I remember. I mean, the biggest in the world. I mean, I was talking to the guys of like the Tim Browns. I was talking to the Deion Sanders. I was talking to the, the, the greatest stars in the, in the NFL. Uh, so from that, I then had to find a way to educate myself more, even though I had my doctorate that I was working on at the time. So I went to a famous uh, lady who taught at USC, University of Southern California, in psychology. And she goes, Tim Story, I love you. I am going to help you. And she gave me this huge manual on how to work with people. And I love to study. So I began to study this. She began to mentor me and tutor me for about 15 years. And then, you know, athletes, no entertainers, entertainers, no athletes. And then it 
turned into this thing that we see today. This is what's interesting. You know, we run a big channel for students called Motivation to Study, and oftentimes they'll see a trajectory like yours, you know, in your 20s getting called by Dion. Yeah. Uh, you know, not the norm, but they'll think, how do I get that kind of clarity? How do I get that kind of speed into my, into my work, into my life? I just asked you the question, and where you went was to learning. That yeah. Learning's really been at the core of, of what you've done. 100%, I think that's really because I, I don't think I, I could have never manipulated myself into the realm that I get to play in. Um, I couldn't have fast-talked myself in, um, according to the people that are in the business, celebrities. Um, I'm the number one go-to guy in the world of celebrities. How do you make that happen? You really don't. So. I think I just worked so hard at my skill set. There's actually a scripture in the Bible that says, do you see a man skilled at his work? He will serve in the presence of kings. And so I just decided to get very skilled at my work. And anywhere from working from little kids in orphanages to people in prisons to Robert Downey Jr. So I don't see anybody as different I just see them as human beings that need to turn a setback to a comeback. Hmm. I think about that idea of just getting good at your work. I think yeah. that's universal. I think it's really powerful that, you know, we can chase a lot of things, but at the end of the day, that's oftentimes at the core. You know, when you think about the work that you do, what's, what's allowed you to do it? What would you say is, the, is at the center of gravity for that? Is it, is it a gift? Is it a skill? What is it? Number one, it's a great question. I think that, I think for me, it's a, it's a hybrid. Of, I'm gifted to listen. What, what a lot of people say is that you are a really good listener. And I think that part of problem solving is you have to listen first. And a lot of people don't listen. They're just looking to try to fix somebody or give an answer. So that idea of listening, but also the fact that I learned um, through my research and study, how to turn a setback into a comeback. Like, I'll give you like three points. Please. So when somebody has a setback, what happens to them, most times they go very singular. They go really inward. So if they go through a divorce, they go very inward. Or they lost their job, they go inward. Anxiety or depression, pandemic, they go very inward. But when you have a setback, the first thing you got to do is you got to become awake. You got to become conscious and you got to say, oh my gosh, we're in the middle of a pandemic and we may need to be locked down for a month. A month turned into another month and then to over a year, right? So number one, become awake. Secondly, you have to take inventory. Take realistic inventory, like in the pandemic, where am I financially? Where am I with my job? Where am I with my mental health? How is my family doing? How's my country doing? How's this world doing? So number one, you become awake. Secondly, you take inventory. But here's a powerful thing. You have to partner with the right people. I feel that a lot of people, when they have a setback, they don't have the right people to partner with. So that's what I always wanted to become, and that's what I became. I want to be the person that somebody could link hands with and say, come on, Tim Story. You may not know everything, but you know how to get people from a setback to a comeback. I'm the partner, power, person. Wow. So when you think about that idea from a setback to a comeback, one of the names I've heard you bring up a couple of times is Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. 
you know, for those who've been kind of following his career for a couple of decades would have seen probably that full circle. So are those the steps that you walk through with somebody like him? And what was that like when you were first called by him? Like, what was that moment like? Yeah, I think number one, Robert and I are just, we're friends. Mm -hmm. and, and I see Robert as a friend that we've had great conversations. And uh, Robert was nice enough to include me in his life, um, in all parts of his life, in his wins and in his challenging days. I've included him in my life. He even used to go to my son's basketball games. So Robert is just a friend. Um, so I would say that with anybody that I'm dealing with, I take them through those steps. You gotta wake up, take inventory, partner with the right people. Now, when you partner with the right people, that means you're gonna probably have to eliminate some people that are not the right people. And this is what I see with a lot of people that are in a setback. They need to cut some people back. And I say this about the power partnership. You have the acquaintance, which is the person of, we just know each other. Secondly, you have the partner that's more intimate. And then the third level is what I call the green room. The green room is that place that you go to that you are allowed to invite who you want in that green room. But they better be people of power, people of substance, people of a similar mindset and a mood set and motives that really strengthen you. So you gotta have the right people in that green room. So I mean, that just brings it really clear for me, that idea of a green room, who you're inviting in. Do you find that people ever get confused with who they've got in that room and they're trying to tell you, oh no, it's the right person, but you've got maybe some other questions about whether that person is the right choice for that room? Like, how do you get somebody leveled? Mostly it's, it's not the right okay. person. And I'll tell you why, because um, when you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived because you're deceived. <laughs> Interesting spiral there, isn't it? Yeah, when you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived because you're deceived. So. If I'm dealing with a, a, a famous actor, and I deal with so many, I have over 300 entertainers I work with. Wow. Is that, you know, like I think of a guy six months ago, like, Tim, these guys are fantastic. No, not so much. <laughs> because when you're deceived, you don't know you're deceived because you're deceived. So I don't ever come at them like too strong unless I have to. But I say, why don't you just take some time off from these people? And as you are getting healed, then start to see, do we want to reinvite them into our green room? Usually they do not. But put them in the first place, put them in the second place, but that doesn't mean they need to be in your inner circle. Hmm. I mean, I, I get that a lot of your work is pointed towards other people. I, I can appreciate how gifted of a listener you are. So I can see how, I mean, even just in our conversations, but I'm pretty curious about Tim's story, Tim Story's story. Yeah. I mentioned Tim Story's story. You inspire those who inspire us. Who inspires you? I'm inspired by um, the little things in life. I, I have this saying that miracles are either coming or going at all times. My last book is called The Miracle Mentality. And to have a miracle mentality is to look for the extraordinary, look for the unusual, look for the uncommon. And um, the other day, I was really busy on a lot of Zoom calls. And I went in my backyard, and as I was sitting there drinking hot tea, 
I noticed that three butterflies came by my right shoulder at the same time. True story. They turned around and came back the same way. That inspires me. So I'm, I'm inspired by butterflies. I'm inspired by you today and the outreach you guys have in changing lives. I'm inspired by this beautiful location in Estonia. I'm inspired by great conversations with Quincy Jones. I, I'm high on life. I really enjoy life. What a privilege to live. That's awesome. 300 people have your phone number and probably at points need counsel or need a conversation. Yes. What gives you the drive to maintain at the pace you're at? I think that, um, first of all, I've learned that not everyone's urgent is my urgent. Mm. I got that from Stephen Covey. Because in the early days of life coaching, I used to be on the phone like nonstop, like even late at night, two, three, four in the morning. I don't do that anymore. Because unless it's a major, major crisis, someone's been hospitalized or somebody had a, a relapse in the area of addiction, um, I, I make people make appointments and the biggest stars in the world, they gotta, they gotta go through my assistance. And I think it's better that way because I have, to, I have to protect my own peace. I have to protect my own state of mind because I like to be in just a very sound mind. Uh, I like to be uh, steady in unsteady times. So um, even though they may have my number, doesn't mean they're urgent is my urgent. Sounds like really, you know, putting a lot of the practices that you probably you counsel on into your own life is helpful. Have you ever needed to life coach yourself? Yes, I have a therapist. I think that like this <laughs> and life- it's not you? You don't do it for yourself? No, you somebody else? no, I need people. So I think that like to live the life that I get to live is so over my head. <laughs> like, how did this happen? Okay, so- like sometimes I'm like driving down the street and I won't name drop on this one. And like someone will call me this like a huge gigantic movie star that we would look up to forever. And it just, it blows me away still. So I think that, you know, for, for many, many years, I'm living this life that is different, better, more magical. And um, I like going to a therapist and just sitting there and making sure I stay on the yellow brick road, making sure that my motives are right, my mindset is, is right. Because in my kind of job, they, they offer you a lot of money to do different things like, um, you know, mostly coming from just a, a lower income family to uh, starting to do real well, even in my early 20s. I just, I just wanted to be around practical mindsets that would keep me on the yellow brick road. And so far, so good. <laughs> You mean you bring up yellow brick road, you bring up magic. It feels like some of these kind of playful childlike qualities yes. are kind of key to your work. Would you say that's that's actually is part of your work? That is so me. Uh, I got excited because Simon Cowell, who created um, X Factor and American Idol and uh, English Idol and all those other ones. Uh, I read one day that he likes to watch cartoons. So do I. I love animation. So every week of my life, I watch animated things. And every week of my life, uh, 
I really go back to the innocence of my childhood. I go back to Motown music, the Jackson Five, Stevie Wonder, Smokey Robinson, because it clicks me back to little Timmy from Compton. So yeah, even though I've been on this journey for 61 years, uh, I have a very childlike spirit, but uh, I think that's important for me, for me. Huh, that's really cool. And even I've heard you talk about having your shout knocked out of you. Yes. Which kind of feels like a bit of a childlike quality to me or a childlike concept <laughs> to me, but, but it also feels like I understand what that means. I actually understand when I've had that knocked out of me in life yeah. and what it feels like to come back. What does that mean, your shout or having it knocked out yeah, of you? Yeah, we've all had it happen to us. And the way I say it is that, you know, there's times in life where you just want to shout, where life is at a high volume and uh, could be the first time somebody falls in love. You just want to shout. It uh, could be you're successful in your job. You just want to shout. But there are times where you're disappointed and things don't work. And then you're disappointed again and disappointed again. And it feels like, watch this play on words, life has knocked the shout out of you. And that shout goes down to a whisper. And if you notice, a lot of people that you grew up with, they don't have a shout anymore. Their shout became a whisper. It's like, hey, how's it going? Well, step by step, how's your marriage going? Okay, how's your job? Okay, and they find themselves in the land of okay, but I believe you can get your shout back. And how do you do that? I mean, imagine I'm a listener who's in that spot right now. So yeah. step back and they feel like their shout has been clear knocked out of them. What would you say to that person? Like if you could talk to them right now, what would you say or what would you ask? To get your shout back, the first thing you gotta do is get tired of being tired. If you're bloated, get tired of being bloated. If you're poor, get tired of being poor. If you're lonely, get tired of being lonely. And you really got to get tired of being tired. And that's how I was being in a lower income family. I didn't like that feeling of like, I wanted a certain tennis shoe, but I got the almost version. I wanted the certain type of Levi's, but I got Plevi's, right? So everything was almost, I was yeah. tired of being tired, tired of being regular, tired of being this. And so I made a choice that, man, I'm gonna do three things. Here we go. Number one, we learn from education. Number two, that's why I'm glad that you're doing this. We learn from conversation. Number three, we learn from observation. So I begin to educate myself. I begin to have better conversations and I begin to watch people around me that got the shout back and I emulated and started following what they did. Hmm. Tired of being tired. Tired of being tired. You've just written a book called The Miracle Mentality. Yes. Why would somebody want to pick up that book right now? What would you feel like is, is the core message that comes through? Yeah, I think the, I think the, the book just uh, pours out opportunity and that whole idea of the book of the miracle mentality is don't live in the mundane, don't stay in the messy, don't stay in the madness, but make room for the miracles. Hmm. And I think that so many of us that we get so caught up in the mundane and then the mundane escalates to the messy and then it escalates to the madness, which is the chaotic, that man, where's the magical? Hmm. When we were kids, it was like, can we play? No, but you got to clean your room. But then can I play? But then you got to go to school. But then can I play? Remember, we were always looking for magic. 
So the book, The Miracle Mentality, teaches you how to get through the mundane, the messy, the madness in all areas of your life and embrace this miraculous life that you've been called to live. Hmm. Sounds like it is potentially kind of bring back a lot of joy for people. No and, doubt. And really shift their mindset. And I've heard you talk about mindset. And mindset's a word, I mean, our app's called mindset. Yeah. We're really familiar with it. But you talk about it in a way I've almost never heard of it. Mm-hmm. How do you see mindset and how does that play a role in people's world? Well, you guys have done a great job, obviously, with mindset. But mindset to me is uh, it's a perspective. It's a point of view. It's another vantage point. And so when we were lower income in Compton, we had never seen anything like we were about to view a few days later. What do you mean, Tim's story? Well, somebody gave us free tickets to Disneyland. When I went to Disneyland as a seven-year-old and I saw Tomorrowland, Frontierland, and I saw all these different lands, and I saw Mickey Mouse up close, Donald Duck up close, the fireworks show at 9.30 at night. Whoa! (laughs) My life changed. It was all about a different perspective from Compton, California and the things I saw there going to Disneyland and I found out later it was literally only like 40 miles away. 40 miles away I was about to have a life change. Hmm. And so mindset is a different perspective. And we've heard it before. Mindset is mind to set. Your mindset is mind to set. So I began to set my mind even going back to seven years of age. And that perspective, from what I understand, can really alter your mood, can it not? I mean, it doesn't just you know, change your vantage on the world, your perspective, but it can shift how you show up, how you, how you feel, how, how you experience what's happening around 100%, you. 100%, because then you get the miracle mentality. All of a sudden you're thinking uncommon, not normal, not regular. And you begin to see those things that have not yet happened as though they're possible. So before I became great friends with Oprah, I saw myself being great friends with Oprah. So when we started talking a lot, it didn't throw me off. <laughs> I've had this conversation in my head. I've envisioned these conversations. And so when I started to work with some of the biggest stars in the world, and I mean like huge, like could you imagine like looking up to Charlton Heston as a kid, he was Moses, and then being his buddy, or Tony Curtis talking about him doing movies with Marilyn Monroe, or James Caan, who just recently passed from The Godfather, being my buddy, or the Vidal Sassoon talking about how he created an empire. This is some mind-boggling stuff, but I saw it before it even happened. No kidding. I saw it. I saw it. I saw it, I saw it, I saw it. And when you say you see it, I think people struggle with that. Like, is that like I close my eyes and I see it? Or is that just like something that feels like almost a bit of a destiny or a faith within my, you? It is that too. It's a destiny. It's a faith. And it's the power of the imagination. And what I believe is that I was just in alignment with what heaven was saying about Tim's story. So I got this saying that I say, I don't believe in chasing things. I just want to be in alignment with what I think has been spoken over me. So these 77 countries of the world now, speaking to 85,000 people at one time, over a thousand invitations a year is what I get to go speak at places. I don't manipulate to get them. I simply align myself and then I cooperate with what life is asking me to do. 
I'm simply cooperating. That's a lot of demands. And, and I mean, when you start to talk about some of the people that are giving you a call for these conversations, has there been a call that you've received recently or even in the past that really humbled you? Like, can you t- what was yes. the moment that just like either brought you to your knees or, or really sparked you up? Like, what, what was it? With, without saying names, when you get into the, into the areas of who runs the country, like at the president level, right? That kind of stuff then throws you off when you're a kid who used to study presidents. <laughs> okay, okay, I, I'm, I'm leveling up with you here. Yeah, but, but, why, but why would those kind of groups call me in? Because I'm coming at you from a different punch. I'm not gonna come at you and just say, you know, we're gonna be okay. Mm. I'm gonna go in and say, you know, things are looking kind of bad. Mm. But if we face the facts, if we take inventory, if we partner with the right people, if we get the right principles, if we get the right plan, we could work our way up and out. And so those kind of calls are humbling. The biggest executives in the world running the biggest companies, those are humbling. But um, my, my mentor, Quincy Jones, told me, Tim, now is it okay if you just realize this is where you're supposed to be? So don't be so surprised as much. Yeah. And was there... A- I mean, maybe you heard that early on and did you believe it early on or was there a moment when you let yourself accept that, you know, I'm going to get these phone calls, I'm going to have these conversations and, and that's who I am. Yeah. When, when did that happen? I still see it as a big surprise. Yeah, yeah. So, like, when these publications come to me to write big articles or magazines or whatever they are, or TV shows or all the good things that happen, I, I'm still very surprised. Yeah. I'm still Timmy from Compton, and I want to go get a Slurpee. <laughs> and your reflex when I ask you what these things is, I, I want to learn. Let me learn. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding? Yeah. Yeah, because I, now i got to learn protocol when I'm going to go visit these places. Because now I'm going to places that I've never been before mm-hmm. over all these years. So I want to know, like, what's the protocol when you walk into one of those places? Yeah. So I want to go down a bit of a different path. We have a lot of 20-year-olds that watch our stuff that are in that moment of big life choices. Maybe they're feeling pressure. They're in school. They're not in school. If you think about the 20-year-olds you know around your life, what's the advice that you'd offer somebody at that age right now? Yeah, I think you got to prosper where you're planted. Like, if you are a freshman in college, prosper where you're planted. Don't always, like, be looking at what I'm going to do when I'm going to graduate. Be in your freshman year. Be present in your sophomore year. Be present in your junior year. Present in your senior year. So as you prosper where you're planted, you're going to love this. And you build your spot. Life will put the spotlight on your spot. See, because we need, we need those freshmen that excel. I need to hire them. I got a lot of companies. Sophomores, juniors, seniors, whether it's me, Magic Johnson, Spike Lee, whoever's running to be companies, Tyler Perry, we all need to hire them. Prosper where you're planted, okay? Build your spot and life will put the spotlight on your spot. We will find you. You know, this is, I'm going a bit personal, but we do work in Southern India as you're talking about that, you know, working your land, prosper where you're planted. We were connected with a woman down in, in Southern India, doesn't know her age, can't read, can't write. I mean, grew up in a lineage of poverty. And her job 
even when she was quite young, just after she gave birth, was to pick up cow dung in, a, in, a, in, in the fields. And through that, found a way to start to collect women, like bring women together, yeah. to throw in about 25 cents a month into a collective pot. Through that, started to build their way out of poverty. She's now built that program with over a million women in Southern India. I mean, it's one of the most extraordinary stories I've ever come across. And as you say those words, yeah. her name and, and image comes to mind is just, no matter where you are. So, so I see that as like Michael Jordan level. I do too. See, so, so if you look at me, I, I feel like um, I had a lot of people giving me a boost from my teachers, right? to uh, then Quincy Jones, Oprah Winfrey opening the world to me. This young lady didn't have those kind of boosts. Mm. So I feel like I was using the cliff notes and mm. she, she did the whole assignment. Mm. So to me, she's more of a Michael Jordan than me. Mm. And I want to say her name just because I feel like I don't want to describe her as, uh, Chinapole is her name. Yeah. And just, just an extraordinary, extraordinary uh, example of what's possible. See, that just motivated me. So, so, so at no point do I ever think like, whoa, like, look at all this I'm pulling off. No, because then I hear a story about her life and what she's done and uh, the setbacks that she's had, but yet she was willing to get up and out and literally change tens of thousands of people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it starts to bring up the idea of like, how does your work add up? How does your, what would your legacy start to become do you ever think about that like what do you hope your legacy is i promise you i don't think about it <laughs> no because i think that i'm fortunate to have like this season on this planet my mother's 91 she's super feisty she walks well she sees well she hears well and um so i hope i have a really long run on this planet and i really don't think about the legacy i think that i'm i'm so in the now, fully present, fully feeling, fully alive. And right now we're in Estonia and I get to talk to you and we get to talk to all these people that are watching. So um, I, I, I hope and pray that my life continues to have a, a ripple effect because now I see young speakers who speak like me, talk like me, rhyme like me and want to do what I'm doing. So yeah, but I don't really think about it. I just want to do what I'm doing now. Hmm. And I think I think time plays a factor in this. You know, I, I don't get me wrong, I see a lot of great speakers that are on the rise and they're using these platforms now to reach unbelievable amounts of people. But there's something about doing this for decades, having conversations for decades, yeah. seeing this story for decades. I think, you know, we're already starting to probably see the ripples of your work. And it's just, you know, time's an in interesting commodity in that case. Yeah. I mean, I think that when Stevie Wonder started to play piano, he didn't know that like so many generations would love his music. I know little 10 year olds from like Iowa who love Stevie Wonder. And so when I began to study and my sixth grade teacher gave me the book by Michelangelo and said, expand your mind. I didn't know that people would name their kids after me in Nigeria, <laughs> no, kidding. which is what happens. Tim Story, what's next for you? I'm excited about a new project. I have a new talk show, first talk show ever in airports. No. Watch how awesome this is. It's never been done. So Reach TV 
owns most of the airports in 90 airports around the world. They came to me during the pandemic. They said, can you do these five minute inspirational talks? And they went over so well. They came back to me and they said, let's do a, let's do a talk show. So Oprah never did that. Oprah, you know how much I love you. Ellen, love you too. You never did that. Steve Harvey's my boy. I do a lot of projects with Steve. I was on his show every Monday for a long time. No one has ever done a talk show in the airports, first ever, and it starts this summer. And so I'm so excited, have amazing guests. It's called Tim Story Presents. It's gonna be all the way from Charles de Gaulle in Paris to Heathrow to airports all over the world. I'm excited about that. No kidding, I'm excited about that. I fly a lot, so I feel like I've not got a show to watch. That's fantastic. I want to go back to this yeah. airport thing because I feel like this is a really an interesting coming together of a lot of stuff. You know, I think back to pandemic, no travel. Knowing that people aren't traveling, they're down. Mm -hmm. Mental health is is reaching all time lows. And now it's this moment where people are kind of coming back. They're on the move. They've got this kind of captive moment in an airport where they may be excited that something's happening and, and this is your moment with them. Yes. What, what, what can we expect with that? Well, you frame that perfectly because I think what was just something that we did, which was travel. All of a sudden, you have to wear this mask. All of a sudden, people are nervous because of COVID. All of a sudden, flights are getting delayed many times because of lack of staff, because of illnesses. So people were moving fearfully through airports. And that's when Reach TV said, we want you to come on and just speak to people. Talk to them about anxiety about fear, about working through the challenges that they're feeling. And the beautiful thing is they started to get such great feedback that people were saying, I'm sitting in this airport two or three hours. This Tim Story guy is really helping me out. And then, then we decided to expand it into a 30-minute show that will continue just to loop and loop and loop every few hours just to help people's lives. Sure. Because I think, I mean, I, you know, I even personally started to go back to those last couple of years and stuff that I wasn't scared about, I started to become scared of. Stuff that I wasn't nervous about, I started to become nervous. Stuff that I'd never really, you know, been in my own head about. I was in my own head. Yes. And so I think you're probably reaching people at a moment when, when stuff, I mean, hopefully they're, they're looking to let that go, but probably in that moment of, am I in the setback or am I in the comeback? And yes. What's, what's most important for somebody to think about, you know, if they're in that kind of teeter-totter moment right now? Yeah, I, I think that all of us are going through recovery and discovery at the same time. Recovery of things lost in the past, recovery of things lost and that were challenged in the present. But in the midst of recovery and discovery, let's not lose the beautiful moments that can happen now. And I think we got so caught up in the challenges that we didn't pay attention to the beauty of life. And that's one reason I'm so excited that I decided to listen and have these conversations with some brilliant people. And they said, Tim, you need to connect to Mind Valley. Mind Valley is changing people all over the world. It'd be a, it would be a nice fit, a nice connection. And so we created a course that I'm so excited about that's coming out in 2023 and it's about magical living. It's about in the midst of the mundane, the mess, and sometimes the madness, 
that we can get back to magical living. So that's one of my favorite projects I got going on is this idea of Mind Valley taking people, tens of thousands of people, millions of people, I believe through this course that we can get back to the magic. It doesn't have to be the magic of our childhood. It could be the magic of our now. Get that shout back. Get the shout back. Because I, I think, I mean, that's what's cool about this is that you talked about when you, when you meet with people for these conversations, you ask them to wake up, take inventory, and then choose their partners. And it feels like that's, that's the roadmap you're following to choose your partners and then let things go. No doubt about it. Listen, when Robert Downey was working on some of his projects, he did not see Iron Man coming. He just saw another actor that was doing things. You never know when you will become a superhero. And that's the beauty of life. You can go from being challenged, having difficulties in your life, wondering if you're gonna be stuck in that same place, to the next thing you know, you are soaring in places that you could only have imagined. That's where I believe people are headed. We got an Iron Man in us. Yes, I like that. Tim, where can people find you? We have a website, timstory.com. So T-I-M-S-T-O-R-E-Y. You can find all things Tim Story. Fantastic. Tim Story, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. For those of you who are just kind of connecting into the icons for the first time, now you're getting a pretty good taste of what these conversations are. Iconic people, iconic locations. Stay tuned for our next episode.